This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blunders, and welcome to a very special audio commentary that we are going to be doing, actually audio and video commentary that we're going to be doing for the classic film Space Jam. Now, you guys tuned in when we got to do uh, a commentary track for David Fincher's Social Network, and that was something that we just wanted to sort of test out and pick a movie uh, that we all loved, that we knew we could talk over. But when we interviewed Tony Cervoni for his animated film Scoob, we had such a great time with him, and uh, he has an integral role in the movie Space Jam, which we love. And we floated the idea of saying, hey, maybe we could get Tony to come on and watch Space Jam with us. And lo and behold, he agreed <laughs> to do it. And so we're thrilled to have Tony Cervoni uh, here with us to watch Space Jam. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. Good. Good. Love to have you back. So um, I just want to start by uh, getting into your actual role for Space Jam uh, what you did on the feature film and how you got the gig. Um, that's an interesting story, and 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 I'll try to do the the short version of it. Okay. But uh, it what this movie was bouncing around inside of different animation. It was divisions. bouncing around, Tony. <laughs> ha! Hey, yeah. Sorry. I, oh god, it's gonna be a long two hours. Right, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Let's let the puns loose already. Right. Um, but so for a moment. It, it was assigned to Warner Brothers Classics Animation, which is where I work. Um, and, and mostly we did like special events, uh, special uh, special things and commercials. Um, but so Space Jam somehow wound up in this tiny division for a minute. And um, 10 people were assigned to the movie. And I was one of those 10 people. And, huh. and we didn't even have job titles. It was just like, go work on this 
go do this. <laughs> and then by the end of the week, I think the movie was pulled from classics animation and and was kind of in this weird limbo. And um, and the 10 people who were assigned to it, we were all working at Warner Brothers, but um, we all got pulled <laughs> out of Warner Brothers and then had to go to uh, Ivan Reitman's place on the Universal lot. So it was very confusing and weird, but we were kind of like Shanghai'd onto Space Jam. Hmm. Um, and, and it got really crazy from from that from there uh, there on in. So um, it was a complete accident that I wound up on Space Jam. And wow. for a while at the beginning, I was doing everything I could to get out of Space Jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and weirdly, I was one of the first 10 people on. And, I, and at the end of the movie, I was a guy who turned the lights off on the way out of the, you know, on the way out of the office. So I every freaking second of Space Jam, I was involved. So there's literally no one better that we could sit down and watch. <laughs> I, I, Space I, Jam. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that. But uh, <laughs> since you said it, there is no one better have concluded. Uh, and, and tell me, how long has it been since you've sat down and watched it start to finish? Oh, it's been years. It's been a long time. It's been, I, I catch it, you know, it, I catch it like 10, 15 minutes at a time, just channel surfing, but I haven't sat down to watch it in a long time. Tony, can we also make a point to say like, you know, when we had you on for the first time, obviously Scoob, um, the CG, the effects in that film, the way effects have become since you made Space Jam is absolutely incredible. Um, and for people who haven't seen Scoob, it's like it's like one of the most beautiful 4K visual, like computer graphic, like animated films I've ever seen. And the juxtaposition between that animation and the I think this hand drawn animation in Space Jam, it's really kind of cool to see that jump in your career. And I was just before we started Space Jam, just curious to know, like when you see almost like an image of Scoob next to an image of Space Jam and you see how far we've come from a visual effects perspective, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I, I mean, it's a weird it's a mix because I, I think that in some ways it's like this night and day difference where you're like, look how far we've come, yeah. which is obvious. But then there's other parts of me that's like, that looked pretty good for 1996, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I'm still not even sure how we pulled that off. Like <laughs> someone even asked me like recently on Instagram or something, someone said, how come the gymnasiums look a little bit more photo real than cartoon stylized? And I was like, that is cartoon stylized for 1995. Right. Wow. You know, we weren't really trying to, we were just lucky we could make a gymnasium. Like, it was, it hadn't really been done before. Well, yeah, so. part of the thing that you were telling us in that Scoob interview, which got us intrigued about doing this with you, was you were talking about just designing baskets and a ball going through yeah. a basket. It was such yeah. a new process for you guys yeah. to conquer at the time. And here you're taking on a movie that's <laughs> solely based on basketball. <laughs> right. I know. There was so much we, I mean, Space Jam was made by a lot of, we were all pretty young and I mean, no one knew what we were getting into, like across the board. We had some people that like Ed Jones at Cinecide, he had come from Roger Rabbit, so he had a pretty good idea of things. But we weren't making this movie like Roger Rabbit. Like Roger Rabbit is an analog movie, you know, like that that movie was run through that's a that's a that's a optical printing process, which is mind-blowing like like that shot in roger rabbit 
where the interrogation scene and that light is like swinging back and forth. If you remember that scene, mm-hmm. there is no light. You know, all of the all of those shadows are all hand animated on Roger wow. swinging back and forth. And Ed told me that is the single most complicated, something like four hundred passes through an optical printer to get that shot right. Oh my god! If you mess up one frame, you have to start over. Oh god! There's wow. no do overs. So, like that shot, supposedly like one of the hardest things ever done. And then that shot in Jedi, the when all the ships attack at the end of Jedi, like that's another like four hundred passes. Right, if right. something goes out of sync once, one mat is wrong, start over. Oh, good wow. luck. You wonder why I people know. do animation. <laughs> I Tony, know. Tony, I know. Well, because we are a film podcast and only because you just said it, can you explain just like to, to our audience specifically what mat is? I mean, obviously people, oh. I mean, these are things that we know, but I, I find it interesting, like exp- that Jedi shot you're referring to, explain what you mean by that and kind of how the different passes, because I feel like that that's such an interesting perspective on animation. Well, I mean, so every one of those ships there in that final battle is on a is on a motion control rigs. So um so they're a, they were able at that point to program I mean stuff in Sours is on wires. Like it's not even on they didn't even you know, like motion control rigs started were pretty new for Jedi. Mm. So they were able to kind of replicate that move over and over, but you have to keep photographing it. So if a ship's gonna go by, you have to photograph the ship. But then you have to photograph it again so you can make a mat of it. And if you're if anything's changing, you just have to keep you, you need multiple passes through an optical printer, which is an, an analog process. So even in Space Jam, like if you look at Bugs Bunny and he has a shadow on his face, that's not a that's that's not there's no digital anything there. That's a hand drawn mat with some someone drew a black shadow on Bugs. But to get like a curvature of his cheek, sometimes you have to draw a light mat, a medium mat, and a dark mat. Wow. <laughs> because there was no way to blend it. So you just did them at different opacities. And um, and even though like that was a digital composite, it's still a digital composite of separate hand-drawn elements. Or like a highlight, you know. So sometimes bugs, I think, had a normal of the the drawing level and then you know, usually two or three shadows, a cast shadow if his feet are on the ground, and a highlight level. That's amazing. Uh, well, let's dive that's into the incredible. Film and start yeah. picking. And it there's apart. a lot of a lot of hand, a lot of pencil mileage in this movie. I, Good. I'm, I, I'm all ears, man. I want to yeah. hear it. It's so cool. Ah, he's all ears. You get it, Tony? This is be that was an unintentional pun. This is gonna be the longest 87 minutes of my life. Tony, feel right. free to uh, give some pun pun uh, dropping right. here. I, yeah. I will. So, right. for people who are listening along with us, uh, following along with us, you're about to watch Space Jam with uh, all four of us. We have it queued up on our machines right now. We're at the zero 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 mark. I'm going to say three, two, one, and then we're going to press play. The classic uh, Riggs and Murtaugh. Do I press play on one or do I say one and then press play? We're going to say one, then press play, and we'll all sync up together. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. And we're mostly going to let Tony talk. And we'll ask questions as we go. That that Bugs was animated by uh, Classics Animation. Bill this is already awesome. The that. fact that you're commentating <laughs> on, on the Warner Brothers logo is awesome. 
I feel like we have like the coolest pass of all time to just sit here and geek out with you about one of our favorite movies. This is awesome. I would have loved to have been in the pitch meeting where they had they're like, okay, listen, Michael, we had this movie idea for you. And he's probably thinking like a big superhero movie or an action film that's he like, it's gonna be you and Bugs Bunny. And you're gonna play yeah. like, do you do you know how it was pitched? Oh, seal. That's R. Kelly, dude. Wait. That was like a Fly like an eagle is sealed. That's our oh, yeah. People don't know this is actually a young Michael Jordan. It is. They went back in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were doing it long before Scorsese. <laughs> now, Tony, I'm curious about this, though. The live action stuff um, is filmed long after you guys have been deep into the process? No, no. Well, we were in the story process. We had done a lot of uh, the storyboarding and, uh, you know, the development work had all been done. Um, and I wasn't here on the set for this stuff. I was probably back at the studios storyboarding. Okay. Uh, Tony, was that sky shot? Was that an animation or was that a real like that was because the, the shot you come uh, down to looked real and the sky almost looked like it was it looked probably it was probably a, a, a visual effect hmm. visual effect everything mostly was done at uh cinesite for a space jam and of course like this movie the movie was directed by joe pitka who had directed all of the Bugs and Michael Jordan um, commercials, the Nike commercials, and uh, and was very close with Michael and and you know Pitka is a is a huge. If I wouldn't be talking about this movie without Pitka, so now that's interesting too because when you say they came into the office and just gave the idea to ten people or the assignment to ten people, is it because they knew of the commercials and believed that this? Could oh yeah. Work? Yeah, and those commercials, those commercials were animated by uh, Warner Brother Classic Animation. Okay. Uh, and the animation director on those commercials was uh, Daryl Van Cedars, who said uh, he has his own studio now. But those commercials were great. Tony, the Space I came Jam to logo. Warner Brothers right after that. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I came to Warner Brothers right after the commercials. So these uh, credits are awesome. Yeah, the credits are awesome. I was talking about those the other day. I was t I was talking to my wife about something, and I was like, "Remember how cool those credits were? Why aren't Why can't we do something cool like that?" Yeah. <laughs> Tony, I was asking. I wanted to ask about the the J in Space Jam. How it goes through? Like, was that something you designed as well? The logo? No, I don't know where that came from. Maybe Consumer Products. I'm not sure who designed the original logo. But I always thought it was cool that the movie really does start with a party. You know, like, it's just so fun. This song is cool. I, I always like the opening of the movie. And I always forget about all the other, like, obviously you guys got Michael, but you guys landed other major, like, you got Patrick Ewing and Larry Bird. Like, you got top players at the top of their game. The best like, you of guys, the best, you guys absolutely. Everyone wanted to be in this movie and everyone was on the set. Like we had the best guests. That's so the cool. coolest guests. 
Did like, you ever uh, get to uh, see one of the things they talked about in the last dance was that Michael required uh, basically like a, a basketball court to be able to practice in the summer yeah. and, and everyone came out and played with him. Did you ever get to go over there and check that out? Yes, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. The, the Jordan dome. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, again, like everyone was on the set would want to visit this set and see what was going on. Um, do you remember the movie executive decision with Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. Yeah. Was that, that the that one movie where they, was, was being the made the exchange yeah, in the air? Yeah. Yeah. That movie was being made uh, on the stage across from us. So we were always going back and forth with executive decision. And that 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 movie, they built that plane on a giant gimbal, which is like a giant arm. And they were able to like rotate that whole set 360 degrees. Wow. It was so cool. That executive decision set was awesome. But we kept having like Kurt Russell and Halle Berry coming over like oh. back and forth. So it was great. Wait, who was the coolest guest that you think showed up on set that had no involvement in the movie? There were a lot of cool guests, like LL Cool J, Babyface. Um, Halle Berry's pretty cool. She was around a lot. Um, a lot of people. There were a lot of people just coming around. Everyone wanted to see it. It was cool. And just having all the players around was great. Like, it was fun. I want to thank you for having not one Hornet, but two Charlotte Hornets. Uh, <laughs> I'm from I'm in North Carolina. I'm in Charlotte right now. And the Hornets are my favorite team. And I always brag that, uh, yeah, we have two uh, people in Space Jam. Thank you. Ah, there you go. <laughs> also, shout out to, to James about. Newton Howard. James Newton Howard's a great composer. I, I forgot yeah. how he composed this. Yeah. And Michael Chapman's a cinematographer. Oh, wow. And like, so, you know, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> and James Newton Howard is a Hans Zimmer protege, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He was close with Ivan. Okay, th see these models of these yeah. buildings? Mm -hmm. They come from the Hudsucker Proxy. No. No, they, the Coen Brothers movie? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> we borrowed the models, but the models were awesome. All right, Tony, but, can so you those explain buildings that? were the same. What do you ones. mean by borrowing models from Hudsucker Proxy? I don't Proxy? know. I don't, we, they needed to make that shot, and they were like, we need to build buildings, and they're like, "No, I know the guy from Hudsucker Proxy. Let's just go borrow those." That's so like great. you do, Tony. Yeah. Please tell me the Coen Brothers stopped by on set. <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> that would that would have been cool. I have the I have the uh, the the painting, the design painting for Mora Mountain, hanging on my wall over there. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's so kind of cool. cool to see that. Tony, I don't know how much involvement uh, you have with Space Jam 2, but like, are any of these characters coming back? Like, is the Danny DeVito character coming back? Is he like the villain in 2? I don't know how much crossover there will be between the two movies. Hmm. Tony, do you think Space Jam 2 will keep the hand-drawn animation, or do you think they're going to go full CG? There's a lot of hand-drawn animation in Space Jam 2. Cool, as there should be. Yeah, cool. and I Spike Brandt is the animation director on it, so... Uh, it couldn't be in better hands. Have you seen any of the new one yet? A little bit. Wow. Well, Tony, I'm going to ask you this only because I'm just interested to know, like, what your relationship became like with Michael Jordan in the sense of, like, did, did he start to know who you were when you guys would work together? Like, what, 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 like, I guess what was your first time meeting him? And then did you, did you guys develop a little bit of a friendship throughout? I mean, we weren't like friends, but, but yeah. We we did spend a lot of time in, around each other, and uh, 
you know, I'm from outside of Chicago, so I'm a Bulls fan, and and where, I was in Chicago, Chicago uh, Western suburbs. My parents I'm talking live to you from Chicago right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, so I was. So you're from Chicago. You know how the world treats Michael Jordan and how Chicago treats Michael Jordan. <laughs> so Michael Jordan is barely human in my eyes. Like he is like a demigod. So, you know, like there's been criticism that the Warner Brothers like hero worship Michael too much in this movie. And that is because myself and a number of other animators on this movie were from Chicago and we could never, I mean, he was just our hero. So, uh, but here he's he still is, our hero. Here he is trying baseball. <laughs> Didn't like, quite go totally. his way. What, what I always love about this scene is, is I guarantee you that's how, like, that's how the players were. Like he was like, he would strike out one. He was actually not a bad baseball player, but even when he would strike out, I feel like everyone was like, good swing, good swing, Michael. Great swing. Good job. It's like that scene in the movie Pop Star when Andy Samberg misses the basketball and all of his friends are like, "Yeah, he basically, yeah, yeah, like, yeah good job." Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered if that happened because, like, some of these stories, like, I wonder if they come from. I always wonder if this thing where the 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 catcher is giving them the giving them the uh, the pitches, if that actually happened. I bet you it has. I want to mention too, Tony. I know you included the uh, the Bulls introduction music in Scoob, which I. That's when I was like, wait yeah, a second. F, yeah, yeah, He's yeah, got to sure. be a Bulls fan. This no <laughs> that way is great music, by the no way. No way that that got snuck <laughs> that in. You know what? We tried a million other things and it couldn't be beat in, in <laughs> Scoob. We're like yeah. that Alan Parsons project, especially if you're from Chicago, you hear the three, first three notes of that and you're like, Whoa. oh, God. Because growing up in uh, obsessed with the NBA during that, whenever you heard that yeah. music, it made you enraged. Oh. I was yeah, a Knicks fan, so I was enraged. <laughs> I wonder how many weddings people, like the bride and grooms, came yeah. out to that music. You know, like the the, the next thing Tony's going to tell us is the dirt in this scene is from Miller's Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Wayne Knight in this, this was like the height of Seinfeld, right? Like this was like when like yeah. Wayne Knight was. Yeah, when, I, I think know. it's. I think it's after Jurassic Park too. Like, yeah, it would have been. It would have been a few years because he, yeah, Jurassic Park was ninety three. Yeah. So, good cut, good cut. <laughs> he will always be Newman to me. Even in Jurassic Park, I call him Newman. I just do. Yeah, he's great. He's a great guy. He was. Uh, he was a lot of fun to be around. We hung around with him pretty uh, for a lot. So. Yeah, he's in like he's throughout the movie. It's not like he pops in and he's he's in it a lot. Yeah, no, yeah, he's okay. So Chicago. All right, I'm not sure if this is even fair. Where does Bill Murray rank in terms of Jordan as a Chicago icon? Uh Bill Murray's very ranks very high. Yeah, no one is Michael Jordan, but uh, <laughs> Bill, but Bill Murray's way up there. Tony, have you heard the stories about? I mean, I know it's true now, and people talk about it now about Bill Murray having no agent and no publicist, and 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 to a point where people would have to like email him or like send him like physical scripts. Was there was that happening at this point in his career too? Yeah, even Ivan, right? You figured Ivan and Bill are close, and they're really going to know each other, and blah, blah. even Reitman, everyone was sweating it. Like, did we reach him? Is he going to show up? Like, all those kind of classic Bill Murray stories are true. Wow. But, it, yeah, he did it, show up and he was great. 
Is it really like that? Like you just be on set one day and you just really don't know if he's going to be there? You're hoping you're hoping he's going to be there. (laughs) Does he ever know? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I can't really say that. I just know that we were all like we were nervous the first day that the animation team met him just because (laughs) we were such gigantic fans. We were very nervous just to meet him. And then when we did, we had no reason to be nervous at all because he's the coolest guy. God, the animation here still looks good because it's hand drawn. Yeah, Yeah. this animation looks all right. That that ship going through the earth could use a little help now. But if Tony, we ever did a special edition, I, I, I could tell you what shots we would need to replace. Well, Tony, explain explain what you mean by that. Because so like right now, as a viewer, I don't see a problem with this shot. So uh, no, no, I think this stuff, though, stuff where the animation looks great. But when the the nerd luck ship kind of came in and drove through the piggly piggly wiggly parking yeah, yeah. lot and all that, um, you know, that's the best we could do. And it's in in it. We actually, I think they actually blew up a parking lot to actually make that explosion too. Did they really? You couldn't fake that stuff then. So if you needed, wow. if you needed something to blow up, you just had to go blow it up. Funny enough, that was Chris Nolan's first job. He was just doing practical <laughs> blow up explosions before. No, Michael Bay. Up. Now you should have said Michael yeah. Bay at the time. That's no, a better Nolan, joke, dude. Nolan <laughs> just blew up a seven forty seven on Tenet for real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that movie exists. We'll see. No, you've seen it. You just haven't. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> it's like the New Mutants. I always loved when you saw um, an animated character that was in a TV show make a transition to motion picture because for some reason it just the animation looks more sophisticated. Like they have more time to work on it, um, and the TV shows come together quicker. Like it's like bugs oh, in yes. particular. But certainly, you definitely have more time and bigger budgets. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for sure. Tony, I gotta ask. Just because you're from Chicago and you know what Michael Jordan's house looks like. <laughs> yeah, Are it was like, just was, like that. Was the idea to make him like an everyman, like a dude that would just live in the neighborhood? Because Michael Jordan, like for people that don't know, he, his, his mansion literally has a gate that has a two and three on it that has to open up. It's, it's, it's for sale now. But like he lives in a mansion with a two, three gate that has to open up. And so you I mean, love this he doesn't idea. live in a quaint little house. In exactly. I, I love the idea that he just lives. And then later on in the movie, he's like in like a uh, like a hotel room with like like two double beds. And I, lo- I love this idea that he's just a, just a normal guy living in a small house and staying in a small hotel room. That's a nice house. And people just How? drive by and they're like, hey, Michael. <laughs> That's right. Squattering the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> trimming the hedges. How is Jordan to work with as an actor um, in the sense of just like, you know, being on set, be, uh, doing his lines in the sense of like, you know, uh, being there for, you know, recoverage or ADR. Was oh, it really yeah. I mean, accessible? Yeah. And really professional, like, you know, shows up, does it, does it prepared, like really, really professional. And, and <laughs> especially with the animation teams, like always really interested and you know, showing him what we were going to do and where the characters would go and how they were going to look. He was he was into it. Tony, Tony what's on Michael's is, face there for the for the dog licking? They put peanut butter. I, yeah, I'm sure they put peanut butter. <laughs> Tony, is the dog's name uh, a knock at Barkley? Yes. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't think he really had. I, I actually I did meet that dog once because we had to shoot plates with it. Um. It was it was a gross slobbery slobbery beast. So, 
I mean, think about Jordan is he's so charismatic. He could have very easily had a, a career in entertainment, you know? Yeah. He's, no, he's, 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 he's a good actor. He's really this. comfortable. It helped him become such a spokesperson for so many brands. And Tony, for our audience, explain where Michael Jordan is in his career at this point. You're making this movie. Um, so he had the first, he had won the first three consecutive championships, um, and then retired from basketball and was playing baseball. Um, but, uh, we were, we knew he was coming back. So, um, that's why the Jordan Dome was there. So he could practice and get back in shape for the NBA season, which picked up as soon as we were done shooting this. Wow. Jim Rome looking like a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) Jim Rome's still hanging on Sports Talk Radio. (laughs) Tony, did you ever shoot a basket in the Jordan Dome? No. Well, I know I shot a basket. I never shot a basket with Michael Jordan. But other people would shoot around with Michael Jordan. And I was like, no way. I'm not touching a basketball. I was so intimidated. I couldn't go near. I, I shot when he wasn't there. I shot around the Jordan Dome, <laughs> but never, never in his presence ever. Were I your love nets that you got were, this were, were opportunity. It's yeah. so great. As a huge fan, I, I love that you were a Bulls fan and got the chance to work on this. Yeah, no, I, me too, me too for sure. But um, even uh, on the set, there was a there was a basketball net, and uh, and Pitka likes to shoot in between setups too, so. Um, there was always, there were, there was, someone was always playing basketball. So, wow. This I thought was fun to kind of recreate this cartoon and, and interrupt it. Uh, when I you recreate something the, like this, do you have to redo the entire thing to interrupt it or can you just interrupt the real footage? I think we interrupted it on a cut, but I think that's the actual, and I think we use somehow use the actual background. So it kind of, it kind of fit pretty well. Huh. Just prepare yourself, Tony. I'm going to have a lot of questions once we get to stuff where we're seeing humans interact with these <laughs> characters. I, I just want to know uh, how you did all this stuff. This is so cool. Different animation teams. Like we had two or three teams in London. We had a team in Ohio. We had a team, two teams in Los Angeles. I believe this stuff was all animated by character builders in Ohio. They were they were a really good team, had really and had really great animators. We had a lot of good animators all over the world working on this movie. But and also like you know, all these characters, the secondary characters in the crowd, um, they were all things that the animation team put in because we loved all these characters so much. Yeah. Oh god, they're And that was the first time Yosemite Sam had a gun for like years leading into this. Um, is that a big took the deal? Is that, do you have to get like clearance on stuff like that? Um, I don't remember it being a big deal other than we were like, let's give Sam and Elmer their guns back. And uh, but uh, but fans really did respond to it. Like, because I know now currently they kind of took the guns away again. Yeah. Well, later but, on, there's you know, a Pulp Fiction reference, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that was the, that was a gang. Wait, yeah, what the, was, what's the, the Pulp Fiction? I forgot it is. You'll, you'll uh, see. It's it's yes. in it's in the game. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a Patton reference. The, yeah. the bugs in yes. front of the big flag. <laughs> yeah. 
See before you know for the, kids. Yeah. for the kids, yeah. Yeah. Right. for the kids, for the kids. I think what's horrible is that obviously as a kid I saw this before I ever saw Patton. I think <laughs> whenever we watched Patton in school, I think I, I reversed. I was like, oh, cool, like Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Patton ripped it off from Space Jam. <laughs> I don't know really, how many Dutch angles were in this movie. He likes. When, well, we did try to like take. Um, the live action shooting style yeah, and try to incorporate it into the animation. So the animation setups aren't as like, uh, you know, like that, like that's a Pitka shot, you know, yeah. low and wide. I like it. It just really kind of commands a presence of the uh, immersion for the story. It's a very, it's, it's yeah, actually, it, 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 yeah. there was a big effort to try and marry the two, the live action style into the animation style. So I'm assuming this shot right here, like the animation is the actual background and then you have a real clip playing. Yeah. Cool. Um, when you're trying to come up with concepts to throw into the movie and, and animate certain things, how much do you have to pay attention to things that have been done on this, on the various cartoons through the years and try not to repeat something or, or come too close to something that exists already? I mean, a lot of times we're doing it on purpose, but... Um, but a lot of times you, you, a lot of times you're doing stuff and you forget, you like, you think it's an original idea. We was always like Simpsons did it. We would always like, uh, someone has said Simpsons did it like 20 million times to me in my life. So, really? you know, it's like, Hey, this is a great idea. Yeah. Simpsons is season seven. <laughs> All right. So there aren't, I guess there, you know, there aren't that many original ideas. Hmm. Tony, uh, I just got reminded of something watching the basketball footage here. You, you watched the Last Dance documentary, right? I have not watched it. Dude. Oh, okay. I know. Oh. I haven't because I'm not emotionally prepared to watch it. Oh, man. I it's know I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it all at once. I need to set a day aside, but uh, I haven't watched it yet. Dude, There's like Patricia Heaton from, uh, from Raymond before she was famous. Oh, yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Patricia Heaton. From uh, Everybody Loves Raymond in the, the middle. If you do end up watching it, Tony, I, I do have a question for you. And this maybe maybe you'll, maybe you'll be able to answer this with just knowing, like seeing this footage of the basketball footage in the documentary when they show games from the 90s, they somehow made them look super 4K again. Oh, really? And I don't know how they achieved that. I, mean, I don't know if they up converted the footage, but like anytime we went back to like these like games, it just seemed it seemed like they were 4K like from the 90s. Really? Yeah, it's oh, that's really, really cool. cool. I didn't yeah. know that, dude. You were going to die watching the Last Dance, man. <laughs> I know. That's all my friends are like. Have you seen it? Do you want? They want to talk about it. And I'm like, just. Aren't you interested in seeing? Give me what some they, time. I mean, there's a. They don't obviously go. They don't go extensively into it, but they do talk about Space Jam. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. And yeah, but every people let me know. I mean, like I said, I'm. I am an enormous fan. So, and this stuff was like. This is was meaningful stuff in my life, so I'm kind of like, I want to watch it, but I'm kind of nervous to watch it too. Hmm. Uh, this is something we talk about on the show sometimes. When you talk about um, somebody who's you're making a movie about it being involved in a producer uh, scale, so Jordan was a producer on this, right? Wasn't or, or so? And one I of the things so, that yeah. One of the things we discussed uh, with Last Dance was the idea of him being involved as a producer in a documentary and kind of how that plays into what 
what parts of the things get into the final product, like whether or not he has final say as to what things enter. Like, were there things that did he have any kind of final cut on the movie or approval on what you guys did at the end of it? I mean, he he did have a lot of approvals on things. And um, but I don't know that I don't know that that much hmm. about like what was official or not. I mean, there was always a big effort to to make Michael Jordan happy. So, like I said, from every one of us, we were fans. So, hmm. shirt, yeah, the gratuitous go. shirt shirtless shot. Now, now, I guess you could argue that during his uh, basketball days, he might have stayed in a hotel like that. But again, sure, yeah. <laughs> that, that looks like a motel. Uh, something, something tells me he didn't. Except that in the last dance, we learned that during his baseball days, he bought the team a bus. So. <laughs> also, that hotel room he's staying in is, is less expensive than a pair of Jordans, probably. <laughs> That's true. Oh, listen to all that product placement. Huh? Yeah, but that's all like that's all of his products, right? Because yeah, he endorsed, he endorsed. Yeah, yeah, all those. Uh, pardon my ignorance. Was there a specific Jordans ma- uh, made for this time period of the Space Jam? Yes. Yeah, there was a special one made for the movie. It's a big collectible shoe now. Cool. Uh, a little uh, NBA trivia for you guys. That's Vladi Divac, uh, player for the Los Angeles Lakers. He got traded to the Charlotte Hornets uh, for Kobe Bryant. (laughs) (laughs) For Kobe Bryant? Yeah, we drafted Kobe Bryant 13th and decided to to send him to L.A. for Vladi. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, good job, us. (laughs) Sean, where are all your uh, championship uh, uh, merch? Where's all your... uh, Yeah, uh, we keep it downstairs. Downstairs. There's a little uh, uh, Dennis Rodman in that character design of Daffy there. Oh, yeah. That was... uh, Who do you personally enjoy drawing the most? uh, Bugs and Daffy. Bugs is hard to draw. um, Harder to draw for me than Daffy, but I like drawing and animating both of them. What makes someone harder? Um... I don't know. I think his head's a little more complicated. He's easier to make ugly than Daffy is. Oh, really? <laughs> so, this I thought was really cool. Like, uh, this transformation, like, I like that there's actual, it's a little scary, and we kind of pushed it to make it. And this shot coming up, that. Yeah. This shot here, it's kind of how I wound up being the direct, eventually the director of animation on that movie, because on this movie, because we had struggled with trying to get the right tone of the monsters to make them kind of fun and fun and funny, um, and have elements of the players in them a little bit, um, but also make them real villains and make them villainous. So that storyboard panel, I drew that storyboard and that panel, um, I drew it. And then one of our other animators, Ashanti Miller, was like, ooh, that's a cool panel. And then she took it and blew it up on a Xerox machine and painted it. And then we were like looking at it going, this is cool. The monster should look like this. Hmm. And uh, and then Pitka came in and went, who the hell did that? Hmm. I'm like, 
he's like, that's it. That's what the that's what we've been looking for with the Monstars. Oh, so wow. that one drawing wound up being like a, a very integral part of of my career. That's amazing. That's awesome. That Kevin, as a kid, did you ever have the um, like one of the Toon Squad jerseys? I did not have the Toon Squad jerseys. No. no. I had a I had a monster because I, I was always a kid. I liked the villains better. I always I'm a kid that always liked yeah. Darth Vader more than Luke Skywalker or whatever. So I really liked the Monstars. So I had the Monstars jersey. But when you got the Toon Squad jerseys as a kid, they let you decide what character you wanted. You could get Bugs or Daffy or Lola, oh, yeah. whatever. And I was always annoyed that with the Monstars, you just got there was only one, and it just had a zero <laughs> on the back. And so I was, I was always like, why, why can't I decide which monster I want? Like, why are the monsters less important? This is what kept me up as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> the monsters are all number zero. They're all zero. They're yeah. all zero. I liked the, the the Patrick Ewing into the monster. That was that was always yeah. my favorite one. Patrick Ewing monster is my favorite monster, and uh, and because I'm from Chicago, there was always a Knicks-Bulls rivalry. You know, that <laughs> you was, that was one of the rivalries. <laughs> so, like, I was fully prepared to not to be like, Patrick Ewing, screw Patrick. You know, like, I was yeah. prepared to not like Patrick Ewing. And then he turned out to be, like, the nicest guy in the world. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> I know. I know. So, and and he, he and Michael were good friends. So I was, uh, it always, like, was like, wait a minute. He's like, no, I... Uh, my son Brendan is twelve. He's got yes. This. Oh, that's great. He's got a he's got a bugs. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he says in the movie they wear the white one. He just told me. He just wanted to inform me in case you didn't know that, Tony. <laughs> I like the black. Did one you better. just text him, or was that like the most crazy coincidence of all no, time? No, I texted him. I texted okay, him. I was, I was like, what are the odds that he just walked in with that well, jersey? Yeah. <laughs> Brendan collects jerseys. He collects, uh, you know, offbeat NBA jerseys, and he got yeah. a Bugs a couple of years ago. So, dude, your son is so much cooler than I am. He is. I know. Tony, do you remember the first time you drew Bugs Bunny? For real? Just you mean like professionally? Professionally uh, and also and I, as, as a young, as you, when you were younger. I don't remember. I'm sure I drew Bugs Bunny as a little kid and I don't remember that. But uh, the first time I drew him professionally was on the Carrot Blanca short. Mm. Oh, mm. no, wait. He may have appeared in Tiny Toons. Mm. I think he's in the Tiny Toons Christmas special. I may have animated him in that. I feel like I drew him in Tiny Toons first. Do you always draw him the same way? Like, where, where do you start when you start doing bugs? I kind of, with bugs, I try to, like, build it up, you know, like, with, like, mm. a loose, like, head shape and then figure out where the features are going to cl- kind of click in and then and then kind of build it up from there. How long would it take you to draw, like, a simple Bugs Bunny if you were to do it on command? Uh, like a... How no, long? Ten... Not very long. Yeah, I have to draw one right now. Are you it's doing good. it right now? <laughs> Please do that. I was. Yes. I, I didn't want to ask you, but I wanted to. I was actually interested because we're on a commentary track, and this is actually what we were, we're trying to teach our viewers, which is cool. I like the idea, Tony. While you're doing that, of the golf balls uh, instead of birds flying around, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're watching Bugs Bunny on screen right now, the Tony is drawing Bugs Bunny for us. <laughs> this is what's happening in our lives at the moment. I can't do. I can't. I'm, I'm. I just grabbed a pen. So, well, this wasn't planned. So it's actually. I, I, it's I love better. that Tony with a pen it is going to bring out something better right, than right, any right. of us could have. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> what? Oh my god. what? <laughs> Wait a second. How did you just pull that up again? One more time, Tony. Real quick. Right, one more time. Go. 
Come oh on. My God, that's amazing. What's the 168? <laughs> I don't know. But I don't even know what 168 means. <laughs> I just had this on my desk. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, it was just a piece of paper that said 168 on it, and I drew. I must've, it must have been something. Wow. All right, can you tell this us about the construction of by the... uh, Uli Meyer's oh. studio in London? Uh, Dean Roberts, I think, is the animator on a lot of the staffy stuff. Uh, uh, Bill Ray also worked on the movie, f- famous from Ren and Stimpy, so that inner ear inner ear painting, you know, is like a total Ren and Stimpy kind of thing. That's true. Is it a pretty small community of, of animators? Is there a lot of sort of like cross work between all of you? Yeah, it, even across the world. Like, the animation community is pretty small, and animators move around a lot, so uh, we all kind of weirdly get to know each other, so... From even like from Japan to Korea to England to all over the place. That's awesome. Tony, when Bugs Bunny is pushing on Jordan right there, um, explain to our audience what's exactly happening Uh, on set. In this case, uh, there was a guy in a green costume (laughs) on top of Michael. So (laughs) you you imagine being that guy? Yeah, there was a green, like these green ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who would grab his shirt, and then we would have to cover that, the real hand up with Bugs' hand. So I, I it's pretty that, crude. Like, it's not like, there's just a guy there pulling on him. I was going to ask you. And, and usually saying... there's someone, usually, Michael, there's someone in his eye line. The, the thing that was most complicated is, it seemed like the people on set would talk a lot faster than Bugs talked or slower than Bugs talked. So then to try and match up the dialogue performance, that was always off. Like we were always trying to slide th- stuff one way or another. That's interesting. How, how right. um, at that point in time, how common was the usage of green screen? Because obviously it was pretty, pretty prevalent in this. It was super new. It was really new. Like, uh, Green screen was very new, other than like for the weatherman on 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 the local news, but um, and also the motion tracking setups. You know, putting those were really new. Like we didn't know what we were looking at. Can so you explain that? Those, Can you explain what that means? Motion tracking for all like a so like uh, yeah. Well, it'll come up pretty pretty soon. This all was animated by Dave Spafford and his team. Dave. Did a lot of the he did all of the Daffy and Donald scene piano playing scene in Roger Rabbit, wow. which is a just a beautiful piece of animation. <laughs> but he and his team animated this. Now, Tony, I don't know if you remember, but like after this came out, where there are a lot of people trying to like Hollywood is an industry that loves to replicate something that's successful. Did people try to? sort of apply this to other things? I don't remember. Well, I mean, there weren't too many hybrid movies after this. Mm. So this so this gym now at this point is a 3D space. Okay. Like it's a 3D model. And where's George? So explain to us how this is being done. Like what, what's, how does this whole thing come together? This shot right well, there. And it's, so this is Michael Jordan in a green set. Um, and else, but any, t- and any time the camera is moving, we used uh, these tracking balls, which were on the wall, these red tracking balls, which would tell the computer how the room was moving, um, which is what everyone does now. In fact, I don't even know if you need green balls anymore. I think the computer just knows what's happening. Um, 
but in this at this point it was all brand new and we didn't we were just hoping it was going to work For Jordan's face on that animated ball, did you have to have him go into a studio and just do weird faces? I think that might be a 3D Jordan. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. But see how, like, the camera's moving there? Mm-hmm. That was all used with uh, tracking, uh, you know, motion tracking, Michael on a green set. Um, and then we animated the characters by hand into the moving shot. How does the red... Okay, so explain how the camera picks up those red dots. Like, how does that? How is that working? What's happening within the camera as you're picking that up? And how do you then build the scene from that? Well, the camera... You're, you're shooting a person on a green set with the red dots. A camera could then right. take... Then a computer can watch how those red dots are moving and move the 3D model accordingly. Um and it, like it, we could do it on the fly now. Like that's how you put graphics under football players, you know, under their feet. It all just happens on the. But then in this time, it was really brand new technology. Okay. Wow. Tony, I, I, if I remember right, this movie was a pretty big success when it came out. So I, obviously, we're getting a sequel with with LeBron decades later, but. Whenever it came out and it was a success, was there ever like an instant talk of of getting Jordan back for a Space Jam too? We did. We did talk about it. We actually had a another idea, um, that was going to be more animated, like it was going to have an animated Michael in it, but it never really took off. But there was talk about it. Is Jordan in the sequel? Uh, I, I can't. I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought I'd ask. I mean, I don't see how you make it without him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can tell though, just from scenes like this, that the movie is made by people who love basketball. Though, you oh, know. this is the most successful basketball movie ever made. Right, but I think for a reason. Suck it, because... Hoosiers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I think. Yeah, I guess that I guess that playing field is pretty narrow, but or shallow. But yeah. but uh no, absolutely. I mean, Pitka's a huge NBA. I mean, the NBA was something different in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to sound like an old man, but it was different then. Like everyone was a star. Everyone had, you know, the teams were different, the sport was different, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I like that in some ways, this is like the culmination of 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 90s basketball. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have to go to the NBA and sort of say like, hey, here's our idea. We need your permission to not to shoot in the stadiums, but use logos and use, you know, team yeah, graphics. Sure. Like what, yeah. Were, were they, they to, fairly receptive? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this was uh, everyone was pretty excited about this when when we made it like the NBA, all the players you know, they really wanted to do it. Everyone was, everyone was like angling to get in it. And it, like I said, if you, even the people who weren't in the movie in these days, they were all showing up at the Jordan Dome and playing games in between shots or on off days. Like it was, it was crazy just watching star after NBA star after NBA star just showing up to shoot baskets like and, and play pickup games. So was the way, really, he, really the way cool. he describes it in Last Dance, I forget if he describes it this way or if it's just described this way, that Jordan, like you say, you knew he was going to go back um, and that he used those pickup games as a way to analyze everybody he was going to have to play against. 
<laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> Was that shot of him digging on the golf course a Caddyshack reference since Bill Murray's in the movie? Or just is that just a coincidence? No, I think it's just a coincidence. That that uh, I think most of the golf stuff was shot up in Lake Arrowhead or Big Bear. That shot in particular, the whole shot was uh, shot in the golf course at Griffith Park in Burbank. Oh, cool! Man, Were there any players so. in the NBA that came to you guys and wanted to be in this movie, but you guys were like, "Look, sorry, we only have so many." Oh, I don't spots. know. I don't know. I don't know who didn't who. We did like go, hey, we need a real tall guy. So yeah. it's like Sean Bradley. We need a real small guy. Like, so, so we would have different body types for the Monstars. That actually was part of the casting. That's interesting. Tony, I'm going to ask you a very loaded question, um, but I still find it really interesting. Um, oh. For just a, a quick three or four second moment of Bugs Bunny running around like that, how many different images and drawings does that have to, uh, that you have to do? How, how do you, like, I well, found it so interesting how animation works. I still don't understand it's, it. It's 24 frames a second, so 24 drawings. Is, if that camera's moving, then for sure it's 24 drawings every That's second. insane. Um, sometimes we put stuff on twos, so that'd be 12 drawings a second. Most of this is on one, so. And can we talk about the ball? Because when an animated character holds the ball, it, it has a different quality to it. And, yeah. and you, I know uh, you guys struggled to figure out how to do that initially, didn't you? Um, most of the time, if an animated character is holding the ball, it's not a 3D object. It's just a photo of a ball. And oh, hopefully okay. it's a photo of the same ball. But I can't guarantee that, which might be why it looks a little different from, you know. <laughs> Stupid question. Where are the balls now from this movie? Did they oh, save them? I wish them? I knew. I don't know. You should have taken one. I'm sure the known, prop man. guy. I know. I did not take one. So. <laughs> I do have. Uh, we did. We did make these life-size models of uh, of Bugs and Elmer. Um, and I do have one of the Bugs the bugs is from this set, like the, the onset version of Bugs Bunny. And we would use them sometimes to kind of like line a shot up or see where bugs would be in a frame. We would use the dummy bugs and then, you know, set up the shot and then pull it out. Are you getting to be honest, we didn't use them that much. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that, that was a practical like statue of Bugs Bunny. And going, you can pose it and stuff. Going back to, to you having the, the live side, what, what, is, what is protocol for just walking off of set with something? Because so often we all do the junkets and we talk to actors about, oh, did you ever get something from the set? And it sounds fairly difficult to like walk away. Yeah, you are not supposed your... to walk off. I don't even know how I got that thing. But I have it. Thing to walk off with. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're not supposed to take stuff off the set. Yeah, that's discouraged. Like you said, you were uh, turning the lights off at the end. <laughs> they didn't need it anymore. <laughs> I think honestly, that might be it. Like I think somehow it wound up at the animation studio. Like also, it's a weird thing, a weird cross of this shot so hard. Like look at all these feet on the floor mm. with a moving camera. No, no computers doing that. That is a human being making sure that foot worked on that floor for every frame. Like that stuff is incredibly hard. Luckily there was a rug on the floor and the rug, the carpet helped give you a, a place to anchor that foot for every one of those steps. Okay. But they but, bring you the, the fin they bring you the filmed yeah. down the hallway yeah. and then they You're, tell and you, and then you blow it up to it. So you blow up every frame, and so you have uh, this, like, a giant frame of film okay. that you're drawing right on top of. It's hard. 
It's hard. It's hard to do. It Wait, sounds, so they, I, I would turn around and <laughs> say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this stuff is, is on wires and you can kind of tell, like watch the, watch uh, one of these, the shoe that's over the fireplace. Okay. Oh, this one. When he goes to grab it, watch, you could see the laces move before he touches it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's great. These kids were so cute. Watch, laces. See it? It's <laughs> great. Movie's ruined. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How'd they release this? I'm curious because you, you talk about sort of discovering the process as you were going. And I'm curious if there was like an aha moment that sticks out of when you sort of discovered how to do something and then we're like, okay, this is this is how we should do it moving forward. Um, a, a lot of those first 3D shots uh, of of Jordan and the tunes in the in the gym, in the, the, the once that stuff started, once you started seeing stuff working, it was like this this might actually work, you know. And some things in the game too, we were like. That's a 3D camera flying all over the place, and we were a little scared of it. But um, once we saw it working, it was pretty exciting. Tony, <laughs> back, so to what you were, back to what you were saying about 35 millimeters. So you'd shoot the film on 35, and you're literally drawing on the frame, like like actually on the physical 35 millimeter like process. Yeah, well, they film. take it, they make a print of every frame and blow it up, right. you know, about this big. And then they're registered with uh, with on a animation pegs, so and then you're drawing right over it. Oh my god! And then what? And then do you film it again? Yeah. Well, it's Space Jam. Then everything scanned in registration, and then it is comp it was composited. This was computer composited. Roger Rabbit, though, no, you have to film it. So every shadow, every character, if there's multiple characters, every character's on a separate a separate drawing, a separate pass. So like any shot in Roger Rabbit with like the weasels chasing Roger in a set, minimum, you know, of four characters. Like so much could go wrong uh, that it is it is mind boggling. All right, now I'm I'm curious too because nowadays Films are given a release date and come hell or high water, you're racing the clock to hit it. How far in advance of the release date were you guys finished on Space Jam? Uh, we Space Jam was made really quickly. Space Jam was made from beginning to end in 19 months, which okay. is really fast. Like we were pulling all nighters, had multiple crews from the beginning. Okay. Like, we had 24-hour crews working on Space Jam. Wow. A night crew and a morning crew. Okay. And uh, that it, we did it really quickly. And because we had a release date of November 15th, 1996, which happened to be my 30th birthday, we were going to hit that release date. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember what you guys were up against opening weekend? No, I don't. We were number one opening weekend. I know that. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> this, see these shots? Yeah. These were the, this was the first stuff we saw of Michael. Um, that's a real basket, a real net on a green stage. But this was the first stuff we ever saw composited together 
And I remember sitting next to Pitka for this stuff and us just going, this looks cool. What is this? Because, you know, we saw him on a green set. Then all of a sudden we saw this. So I this totally is one understand. of the, this was a Eureka moment for sure. I understand what you mean, though, about them saying the gym doesn't look hyper animated uh, or someone saying that, because if if I didn't stop to pay really close attention, it looks like a gym. Yeah. It looks like yeah. a set of a gym. Yeah. Right now. I mean, if we did this now, it would really look like a painting, a, a painting moving in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is as painted as we could make it. Tony, in case you were wondering, the number two movie that weekend was Ransom. The number three Ooh. movie was The Mirror Has Two Faces. The number four was Set It Off. And number five was Romeo and Juliet. Mm, so you guys wow. beat Shakespeare and Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty that that was pretty good for 1995. <laughs> that was really good. Six, 1996. Yeah, Mel in his prime. Yeah. But then again, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Let's remind everybody yeah, Michael Jordan yeah. and Bugs Bunny, for God's sakes. Together at last. Oh, I love the granny character. Yeah, that's June Foray, the original granny, um, who was voicing granny up until the time she passed away. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. This is cool that you guys have the forum in here. Mm hmm. In those days, if you ever saw a lens flare in a comp, it was hiding something. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There was no J.J. Abrams doing them on purpose. It was always like, that doesn't look right. Put a lens flare in it. What, were you like, what would you need to hide? I don't know, but something must have been, something must have not worked there. there that wouldn't have been there. That's funny. Do you, do you just photograph like, a, like an anamorphic lens flare and just drop it into it? Is that really what you, what you do? I think so. I think in those days, that's what they did. It's just a real lens flare. Because that yeah. was a model of the forum trying to be someone, you know, a model of the forum inside that parking lot. And nowadays, Abrams takes a flashlight and, and, and Dan Mendel, yeah. and they do like, that's so cool. This but, you know, I do think like some of the camera work in this is in the animation is pretty dynamic and was pretty fun. Like, yeah, all these. You're right. It seems like every every angle is dutched in the whole movie. But Third man. we were really trying to push it. it that's we an actual know. jersey? Because it looked like an animated jersey going over him. Yeah, that, there. that's the real jersey. That's the real jersey? You can see, like, we couldn't actually draw the logo on the jerseys. So if you look at the cartoon characters, it's just a really simplified... It doesn't say Toon Squad on it. It's just like a blue bar on a red circle. Like, okay. we really simplified it. But like Hubie and Birdie, these mice characters, like a lot of this stuff came out of the animation department because we were trying to put every character we could in the movie. Are there any characters that didn't make it in? Looney Tunes characters? No. You, you got not everybody? many. No. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm really noticing on this rewatch, and obviously I didn't notice this when I was a kid, is like you were just saying about how dynamic the camera work is like it's a real the movie moves like it's like a very yeah. it's a very motion driven film especially like those that a lot of that those camera work that's like going up like this or going i mean it really like it has a very it feels like it's going the whole time there's not a missed beat yeah it, it like. does and and like i said pitka was a huge influence and taught me a lot and if you even look at scoob now like 
Now, like watching this now after we finished Scoob, the movie, like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is the same. Like, there's a lot of low, low and wide, you know, like that's so even in that movie, we're trying to keep the camera kind of dynamic as well. Um, Tony, was that did I just spot the guy in the audience from Bugs Bunny at the opera? Was that the yeah, singer? Yeah, that's Giovanni Jones. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just saw him in the background and I, I flashed back to Bugs holding his hand up, making yeah. him sing yeah. longer. <laughs> I'll always remember his, his uh, anytime I ever put on a suit, I think of that guy's uh, shirt or the, the pearl yeah, coming up and spinning underneath <laughs> his chin. <laughs> that's so funny that he's in there. All right, so that shot. We, really get, so we like, get to the game pretty quickly in this movie. I, th I think, like, watching it again, it's like, look, the games, we're already in the game. Were there a bunch of green characters there doing the huddle? Or is it. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Most of them were groundlings, and most of them have some, like, small role in the movie. <laughs> like, that announcer, I believe, is Steve Kahila, who uh, was one of the green guys. Like, they all had a role somewhere. Um, Tony, how do you make a camera shake? When it's animated, when the monsters run. That's a good question. Uh, well, computerized, you're just moving it every frame. Okay. You know, you're just moving the camera on every frame to shake it. Okay. And then done quick, it, it sort of re replicates that kind of thing? Yeah. I forgot how well shot this movie was, man. <laughs> it's really well shot. Yeah, it really is. Oh, I want to ask a question about um, Looney Tunes characters and the rules regarding them, because they are, for the most part, invulnerable. I mean, even the course of, you know, from our childhood, we saw them getting shot in the face <laughs> like Daffy, yeah. Daffy's bill would get blown off and be behind him. Uh, is there any rule in terms of just the things you can't do to them, knowing that they always come back? No, not really. Really? Yeah, I mean, they're, I, you know. You just try to find new and interesting ways to maim them, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that shot. But this stuff is pretty cool. Like, these shots are pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing like, how well the camera's moving. It looks insane. Yeah, we put a lot of, I mean, there definitely a big emphasis on, on camera movement in this. Yeah. I forgot how good this was. Good, good well, it was, how well it was shot. Well, you know, when the NBA comes back... And also, back, like, you know what I... A lot of this is Bruce Smith, too. It was, you know, I, I the animation director along... It was Bruce Smith and myself. Bruce is a huge basketball fan, obviously. And I say obviously because he was a big part of this game. And, and we put a big... We wanted to make it feel like you're watching a basketball game. You know, like... So... We're actually kind of paying attention, even in a cartoon thing like this, of where who has the ball, how they're kind of playing offense and defense, using the camera to show off the sport. Mm. Like that was all really important stuff and stuff we worked we worked hard on. Like we wanted to make a great basketball movie, not you know, like it's it's not just an action movie; it's a basketball movie. Look at that cool. shot! Wow, for the game itself. How do Amazing. you like? Do you guys like look at? 
Nothing like you know you're you know they're like amazing plays you know but like like the the, the basketball game itself the moves the passes like still kind of have to make logical sense in terms of how yeah. the game of basketball yeah. works. Yes. Uh, do you do you guys have to have like a meeting in terms of like okay like at the end of the day this basketball game has to make sense it has to yeah. like work within the rules of basketball. No, I mean we didn't like. It was just something we were very aware of, like how they were bringing the ball in, you know, getting the ball, bringing the ball in the court. We wanted it to feel like basketball. Mm. Um, so throughout this process, that was something we were always like watching a lot of NBA films, too, and looking <laughs> at the way they were cut and the way they were the way they were staged. Um, that that was helpful, too. It's such a um, television sport. It's, yeah. it, it was back then. It still is now. Uh, the way that we understand the game is defined almost by the way that it's shot on television. Yeah. Yeah. And we wanted it to feel like you're watching basketball. Some of these crowds are pretty rough. Like, don't look too close at these I crowds. I can't stop looking at them. <laughs> I'm scouring the backgrounds. I was going to say earlier, but you were, you were saying something that when the NBA comes back, they should just implement those crowds and put them in the yeah, background that's as not, they play. Right, just use these crowds from Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. To yeah, no, I, yeah. I would tune in and watch. <laughs> I know they should do that. Every game is a, a different crowd, slightly different crowd. Yeah, it's horrible that in 2020 we even point this out, but you have your main villain smoking. Like, that would be an issue nowadays. Never. They're never going to be. There's stuff we couldn't do now, for sure. And uh, him smoking a cigar, for sure, would not be in the movie. Isn't that crazy? I find that yeah. silly. <laughs> like, some kid's going to pick up a cigar because he's like, I watch the Monstars. So I want to be Slackhammer when I grow <laughs> up. Yeah, because of all the characters you want to emulate, that's the one. <laughs> that's right. And. Yeah, I guess the the idea of him smoking it makes him bad. I guess technically speaking, in that in that sense. So like, mm -hmm. I'm surprised it wouldn't be taken from a negative perspective. He just seems like a guy who'd be smoking a cigar. No, I got, honestly, yeah. of everyone in that movie, I promise you, no one smokes more cigars than Michael Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely true. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> oh yeah, look at the logos. That's so funny. Yeah. I think Jordan's acting's good in this scene. I think he's good in this movie. Yeah. There there are sometimes I feel like sports stars turn in performances and you sort of go like, like you know you just, was, you, you just read that off a page. You know who was really good was uh LeBron James in Trainwreck. Oh, he was great in Trainwreck. Oh, he's great yeah. in Trainwreck. And then oh my god, you know who was amazing? Well, look at um, look at Michael right here. I'm he's blanking. yelling at a pig. He <laughs> <laughs> seems really committed there. Yeah. Uncut Gems was another great uh, movie. Uh, who who was the basketball star in Uncut Gems? Kevin Garnett. Garnett, Garnett. yeah, oh, he was great in that. Hmm. Was the NBA pretty on set all the time with all this? I don't remember, like, NBA officials being there but i probably wouldn't recognize them if they were so mm. it's true it's, that you put a picture of tony kukoc on the tennis ball to get jordan to yell at that's right something we had to get something to motivate him <laughs> that's tough 
Tony, you mentioned something in our uh, podcast interview for Scoob that I thought was interesting to bring back up here about how hard the nets were to to build. Yeah. Um, can you go into that again, just for people who might not have heard that episode? You'll, you'll see them throughout the game um, where we didn't have nets. We didn't have uh, we didn't have nets in these shots. Um, so I, in fact, I'm sure a bunch of them already rolled by, like where the monsters are shooting and stuff. And we got to the point of making the movie and we had no, we got to that point. We're like, how do we do the nets? We can't draw them and we couldn't animate them in 3d. So we went and shot nets live action and tried to comp them into the, into the, into the movie. And they're, they're not always successful, but, but it shows we got all the way to the point where it was time to execute it. And we didn't know how. Like that's a real net, but but if it's a monster, uh, or a tune, let's see, let's see this one. Well, the net just blew up, so we can't tell. <laughs> yeah, can't tell. Yeah. boom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's so funny. So that was I put that was my gag. I don't mind saying that was I put the that gag in a movie because I was a huge Pulp Fiction fan. And everyone loved it, and it was really every it got, always got a laugh in our test screenings. Then it came time for that tiny bit of Miserloo, that little bit of music, yeah. Dick Dale. the Dick Dale song. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety six. Oh my god! No. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, really use that they much? wanted to kill me. <laughs> I, I, the, it was the, like the most expensive piece of music I've ever heard of. Tony, and they couldn't you, cut it out, and the joke did not work without it. Sure, no, it wouldn't. So they paid for it. It's it, that that bought Dick Dale two houses. That joke. Oh what do you my think? God, what do you think <laughs> Tarantino paid for Dick Dale's song on Miserable? Probably Pulp nothing. Right. <laughs> right. He probably got it as a favor. Nothing. Right. <laughs> Wow. Oh and my then gosh. one year later, you're dropping it in your movie. Yeah. It's 500,000. How many yeah. seconds is that song playing? Five? It's like two? Like three seconds. Barely. It's like three seconds. But you're it's so like right. Nothing. The joke doesn't work without it, though. Yeah, yeah it didn't. We it, tried every other we song tried. and nothing worked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know if Tarantino ever saw this? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Oh, that's, a, that's a good net. There's a lot of great Bruce Smith animation and all that Tweety going nuts. Some of that stuff was his. Bruce is is such a good animator. This was all, we did all the game kind of in LA. Jeff Sergey was a big part of the animation team and lots, he was the lead animator. Um, and he was a, he had a huge contribution to this movie. Jeff also, we came to California together. So Jeff Sergey is also a, a Chicago guy and a huge Jordan fan. Now, were you done with Animaniacs by the time you dove into all of this? Yeah. Okay. But but yeah. for the most part, your animators were busy on on TV shows or other films. Um. Well, we a lot of us came from the same studio outside of Chicago. Uh, from it was in Homewood, Illinois, down by the border with Indiana. Okay. And uh, so Jeff Sergey, Spike Brandt, myself, we all kind of came from that studio when. When that studio kind of ran out of work, we we all went to Warner Brothers. We were all hired by Warner Brothers at one time. Is that studio no this longer? This I always thought was really cool, this stylized this animation. This is really cool. 
What's it inspired by? What is it? Is it trying? I don't know. We just wanted to do something a different style and and something more graphic. Um, and it was animated in England and really well done. That deal shot is one of the most famous shots in the. In yeah, the movie. I love that shot. Yeah. <laughs> As far as we know, that conversation never took place and Jordan just imagined it. <laughs> and Tony, apologies if we ever like cut each other off during this. We're just all excited to like jump in and ask you stuff. So apologies for cutting you off at all any time. Tony, any truth to the rumor that um, the original ending Jordan would lose and have a moral victory? Never. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> never let that happen. No, never, never. <laughs> Moral victory. Yeah, you get those sports movies where the, the main team loses, yeah. but they learn something about themselves. <laughs> I just watched one. Oh, was it? It was, uh, I won't say what it was. It's a spoiler. Okay. Oh, good. Thank you. It was Space Jam 2. <laughs> <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. That's right. Bugs very well. I would even say that. Watch Bugs' eye direction in this shot next time you see it. Extreme pain. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Is there anything specific you wanted to say about the eye direction in that shot? Like, was no, it just you still like? Uh, I'm gonna let that one go. That was one of those where I, the, after I saw the animation, I'm like, "What are you doing?" And it kind of just slides by. But Bugs is kind of looking over, looking Lola up and down in a. In a pretty lascivious way in that shot. Ah, the 90s. Yeah, you could get away with stuff in the 90s. I mean... That you shouldn't get away with now. Exactly. So. Joe Pickham must have been a massive fan of The Third Man. Like, I, I this has more Dutch <laughs> angles than that movie did. I mean, really, it's unreal. You know who loves uh, Dutch angles is Kenneth Branagh. He did a Branagh lot of those in the first him. Thor. Branagh no, that's awesome. true. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, it's awesome. It's like almost like a disorientation because the person like you're looking up is so big. It's a really effective tool, I yeah. think. Well, it makes it, especially with Michael, it does make him seem like yeah. a superhero, you know? I agree. Oh, yeah, this is fiction. I forgot. It's because uh, he passed. <laughs> <laughs> The first reminder that this is a fiction film. <laughs> Scotty's watching this going like, what the hell, man? <laughs> it's a very funny Adam Sandler bit when he does uh, the game that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points. And he he does the voices of all the other guys on the team. Right. And he's like, Wilt, I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> Wilt, I brought my family here tonight, man. Can you <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> oh, it's really funny. I <laughs> Find that. Were his eyes real in that movement yeah, shot? I don't think ground? so. I don't think there's anything real. <laughs> I think we do a better job with that nowadays. Oh, that's wait. Is there a fart sound effect in there? I was wondering how you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fart sound effect. Tony, I'm gonna be, class, I'm gonna be classy stuff. I'm gonna be very immature here. Is like, is there literally just like a database of fart sounds that you just yeah. go to? They're always, yeah, there's, um, there's giant libraries of fart sounds, so. 
<laughs> it's behind like a giant like vault door. They have to like swing That's the right. vault door and, and put right. in this always an armed guard. This giant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what the descriptions are. Like how they, yeah, describe- they do like a. They scan your retina before you can go into the vault. <laughs> no, Kevin, imagine the director who sits there for a full day and listens to all the options. Yeah, that's... When, 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 Fincher, does, when Fincher does it, he just does it over and over again. <laughs> uh, Tony, you'll you'll start to slowly notice that I still have a very immature sense of humor. I'm 36 years old. I find fart humor funny. I've been trying to get these guys to do this thing on our show for a long time called Bathroom Blend because our show is called Real Blend. And I'm like, I want to find the best like bathroom scene in a film of all time. And I always go dumb and dumber with Jeff Daniels and they won't play it with me. That's that's the best one. (laughs) We have some dignity. Um, Why does Bill Murray keep his hat on backwards for the entire game? I don't know. That bothered me to no end. As a what kid. is that hat? I don't even know what that is. Uh, what is he wearing? It, it, is it like a mud hen's hat or something? I don't know. It's a good question. Because I was going to say it looks like a Chicago White Sox hat, but it wouldn't be. No, it looks like some minor league baseball hat, but I'm not sure what it is. What an interesting choice. Yeah, I, I bet you, considering it's Bill Murray, he probably just wore it to set that day and just kept it on. <laughs> and everyone's sitting there going, I'm not going to tell him to take it off. You but tell him anybody, to take it off. Has anyone ever tried to play basketball with a hat on backwards? It's really hard. Like the minute you go up to shoot, it hits the back of your neck. <laughs> well, usually the kind to... of person that would wear a hat backwards is not the kind of guy that's going to be shooting a lot in a game. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I love Daffy. Tony, have we reached a pee moment yet that you've seen? No, no. It's yeah, a really right. quick movie. If you can't hold it yeah. for 87 minutes. I know, minutes. that's pretty, <laughs> and it moves. This movie yeah, yeah, moves. It does. I'm with you in that I was actually surprised at how quickly it gets to the game. Yeah. And how, we have, how invested in the game, you know, yeah. like, there's a, it feels like a game. Yeah. In fact, because I hadn't seen this in a while and almost forgot, in most sports films, you get a, a game earlier where they almost yeah, yeah. lose and then they have to redeem themselves at the next yeah. game. So when we got to this one, I didn't realize it was the end. My uh, my parents used to try to get me to drink more water as a kid because I always just drank, you know, Cokes and Dr. Peppers and stuff. And I was so obsessed with this movie. My mom used to get like bottles and put like uh, like Mike's secret stuff on it. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's how they treat me to drinking water. It still works. When I'm 32 how, years look old. Look how helpful. Yep. All right, so Tony, how do you do this? Yeah, how are you getting Michael in the air like that? I think it's a 2D gag. I think it's a, they're just stretching it. It's not a 3D model. It's a 2D stretch. Okay. Shot against green screen. Was that a dolly zoom? To get the ball look like it was going, like in that initial shot? No, I think it's just probably uh, two different elements with the ball blown up and brought inside a camera. Wow. Sam shooting off his guns. I love it. Wait, we're in an hour and 11 minutes already? Yeah, it flies by. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. So, uh, <laughs> do you have any insight as to Bill Murray? Like, was he fanning out with Michael Jordan? I mean, I, I yeah, would imagine. I, I mean, yeah, he's. I think he knew him somehow, you know, like. And uh, and obviously big Chicago sports fan, um, and you know big Ivan Reitman 
player. So it all it all came together. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, we were just the animation team, such huge Bill Murray fans. Like, and it, it, we just were totally geeking out when he was there. And he's awesome. I mean, we, we we've been lucky enough to interview him before. He is the guy, like the coolest guy on the planet. Like, he's that. You would don't expect it. Yeah. He's kind of unassuming yeah. how cool he is, you know. And and he's I know from this movie and from like uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox and other animated movies he's made. Like he really cares about the process and the people who make this stuff, which yeah. I I'm really you know that that that's really impressive. Like he really does ask a lot of all the right questions, and he, he always seems like he understands that people are making this like. And and that's pretty cool. Now sometimes you, it's it's easy to forget. A, it takes a thousand people to do this stuff, you know. When you said there was an idea to animate Jordan for a follow up, did did, have, did you guys ever play around with animating him for even a scene of this movie at all? No, no, just that one scene, that stylized scene. Okay, that was the only one. Tony, you mentioned. Um... It's, I'm sorry. I was I was just watching this scene and I got distracted and lost my train of thought. To be honest, I know I've been watching it too. Like where I'm just like, I'm, it's been really fun to watch it again. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Um, so you mentioned Fantastic Mr. Fox and that you know uh, Wes Anderson obviously uh, has such an interesting style in the way he works. Um, because of the the job that you were in and all the work you've done. Over the years, was there a shot that you eventually saw in movies that like that you were like, how the heck did they even pull that off? Like, like as technology became different, like, do you geek oh, out? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I still do it, you know, and it could be a game or a movie or I mean, I remember the first time I saw Jurassic Park and I was like, I mean, that was before this, but still like, what am I looking at? Like, hmm. I, like not even knowing what I was looking at, mm-hmm. like. And feeling like, what does this mean for, like, everyone's future? Like, everything changed. Jurassic Park, the world changed. This world changed on a dime is the minute it was released. So, um, and that still happens, you know, where you see something and you're like, what? what is that? Yeah, Tony, not to jump studios, but then can you talk about, like, Pixar and Toy Story when they came out with how different yeah, that was? Yeah, right. And, and all of a sudden, someone's making a movie just inside of a computer, like, Groundbreaking, absolutely groundbreaking, and and exciting because then it makes you go, what can what can we do with this? Mm. We got another thing to play with. Would you argue that like the like I would argue that Jurassic Park looks better than Jurassic World, and my opinion on that comes more with the idea of Stan Winston's animatronics built in with the CGI, and then here you have physical hand drawn animation built in with practical live action. And then you see these later films that don't look necessarily as good as these sometimes. Like, is there is there something about that mixture of like Winston and, and, and CGI? You know, th- those things I feel like are like Nolan's still doing that really well, I feel like, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I would say that when everything, whenever anything goes too far in one direction and it's like solely one thing, like the... You could figure it out too easy and it loses some of the magic, at least to me. Like, but when it's a mix of costumes, props, prosthetics, and CG, you start going, What? I'm not sure what's what. And it just mm. lets you kind of immerse in the movie more. Like, I'll say about the new Star Wars stuff compared to the prequels, like, I do think that the practical stuff visually adds a lot that 
when you went when it went too far in one direction with the prequels, it lost something. Like I want Yoda to be a puppet forever, you know, and I want <laughs> and I want people in weird costumes and like even the Mandalorian, like it's it's cool to just see that stuff being practical again. I think that Shawa episode. I think there's a people. There's a reason people dialed into Baby Yoda. Like they, they. Yeah. There's yeah. something authentic yeah. about seeing a character that moves that way. Did, did you ever? Didn't Ferner Herzog say that? Like where he said they told him we're going to have a Baby Yoda on the set, and he was like, "That's ridiculous. No <laughs> one will ever buy a baby." And then he fell in love with it, and he wanted to just stare at it and yeah, touch yeah. it, like. <laughs> It's the truth. Oh, none of us can do uh, a Herzog uh, like like a quote without <laughs> saying it like him. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I love that guy. I can oh, listen to awesome. him, and I I love whenever he talks about the movies he's made. Right. And he is so talented and so smart. Um, yeah, he's a great. Um, Tony, I might be wrong, but I think Bill Murray's hat was the Baron's. Oh. When Jordan just stepped off the ship and was holding it, it looked. I thought I saw the logo and it looked like it might have oh, been the Barons. Be that it. would make sense. Well, that would be a, the right minor league baseball team then. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a random pull. See, the real Jordan wouldn't give them their powers back. <laughs> That's right. His grandmama. Thank God he didn't eat pizza before this game. <laughs> I just find this stuff it's charming you know like watching these this was my era of when I really was watching a lot of basketball so it's still like watching it now it's, I get you know I I think I just find it really cool and charming oh I'll tell you what they too. just had such great personalities my kids uh, they're teenagers now and so they watched Last Dance with me and they all know Jordan but they were stunned at Barkley because they know Barkley from the TNT show, right? Yeah. So he's overweight. He's very opinionated. And I was like, you guys don't understand how great Charles was. Oh, my gosh. In his yeah. Day. He was tremendous. I shook his hand, you know, during the minute. His hands are this big. He's like shaking hands with the thing. Like his hands are that big. It's amazing. I saw him in a hotel lobby one time and was amazed at because I'm originally from from Houston, so I know him from my Houston days. I was amazed at how tall he is. Like, yeah. and maybe just in relation to some other players, I kind of just assumed he was going to be not my size. I'm like five ten, <laughs> but like you know, like you know, a shorter. But he is a big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah because and he's yeah. wide. Like yeah. he is. A, he's a wall. He's huge. There's your hat turned around, Sean. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I was really happy we got a little Larry Bird in here too. Oh yeah, the guy over top of Larry uh, Larry Bird's shoulder. Oh, I know it wasn't him, but it looked like Ron Howard. I don't know, <laughs> don't know why, but my, it did. My, Vintage I, Shaq, I am, uh, a, a fairly pale guy, and my buddies often use the joke to describe me. Jake's not white. Jake's clear. Hold on, Tony Cervoni <laughs> in the credits, please. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I think that last shot of of Michael playing basketball is the his first game back in the NBA. Okay. Yes. And also Allison Abadi is my wife. So we met on this movie. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. Way to bury the lead. Yeah. We got married many years later, but uh, we, we met on this movie. Way to bury the lead. Please tell me you had a Space Jam <laughs> themed wedding. 
We did not. I don't think there was very much Space Jam in our... Wait, no, no. We had a Bugs and Lola cake oh. at one of the parties. Oh, that's cool. My cousin made a Bugs and Lola cake. They both say, I do, and you just hear, come on and slam, and welcome <laughs> to the chance. <laughs> uh, since we'll probably never get to enjoy this. Oh, wait, Dan Castellanata voices someone in this? Yeah, who was well, he? I thought he was, uh, the, isn't he the guy no. sitting next to Patricia Heaton at the game? Yeah, he oh, is. He's is he in really? the game. He doesn't voice anyone. He's yeah. he's he's in the crowd. And the legendary Barkley's killing us. All right, uh, so I can redeem myself slightly. At the beginning when I said Seal, what song was I thinking about with Fly in it? What if well, I like an eagle? It's, it's, that's it's what in the movie. Thinking yeah. about. Oh, okay. I was like, I like an I was like what am I doing? Oh, the soundtrack was huge. Huge. Oh, my God. Just gigantic. Back when soundtracks used to really take off with yeah. hit movies. I had I mean, this was a big sound. Like, this is like Saturday Night Fever size soundtrack. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. There you with go. The, well, there's the Pulp Fiction, Fiction. $500,000 shot. <laughs> <laughs> now you said he wanted to kill me who wanted to kill you Tony uh, uh, Joe Medjik one of the producers was like I wonder 500,000 sounds like a lot of money it was, was it 50, it can't have been 50,000 now no I wouldn't imagine I would assume he had you over a barrel like that song yeah. was he did have us over a barrel yeah. it was a lot of money but also like and also the after I don't know. Fiction, that song was huge oh yeah it was huge Terror. it was a lot of money Tarantino makes Tarantino has the ability to take a song that was already available and make it. It's it, it wow. becomes that song stuck in the middle with you is Reservoir Dogs. That misery right, was yeah. Pulp Fiction. Okay, but I I have to give the producer credit for not saying cut the joke. Yeah, yeah. He no that I mean it was a lot of money, but it got a big laugh. So hey, wait a second. Survived. Is that am I in the credits? No, Sean O'Connor. Sorry. <laughs> Connor. I got very excited for a second there. There's, there's a family of O'Connells that work in the industry. <laughs> Thomas O'Connell is in almost everything. <laughs> I like watching the credits. Uh, you know, well, Tony, as somebody who work, is, does, does the job that you do, how important are credits for you? Do you do you sit through them always? Yeah, yeah, most of the time. I mean, I especially if it's like an animated movie, I I kind of want to see who did it. You yeah. know. Jinko Gota was a producer for Cinecite on this, and she just produced, what did she just finish? Klaus, I think, for Netflix. Oh, wow. Which Klaus is pretty good, good if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah. Especially, the, I thought the third act, the end of Klaus, really got me. I thought it was good. He got, didn't he get nominated for uh, yeah, animated I think feature? So. Yeah, it was good. And uh, Willoughby's, I watched that recently on Netflix. That was really good, too. Tony, what are you working on now? I'm consulting on a couple of different Warner Brothers things, and I'm trying to figure out what's next. Are you involved in the new Animate, Animaniacs that's coming back at all? No, I almost was. Where are you really? Yeah, I, I helped set up the pitch for that and was really thinking, should I do that or finish Scoob? At that point, it was a little bit in a dodgy time. But I stuck with Scoop. So I was in college when the Animaniacs were out, and that was appointment television. It was do not book a yeah. class during that time. Make sure you're home to watch the Animaniacs when it was on. Back when, you know, 
kids knew when things were coming on at a certain yeah. time and couldn't just watch it whenever we damn well wanted to. <laughs> but that that show was kids so far days. ahead of its time. It was so incredibly smart and funny. Ah, that, that's made by such smart people. The writing was so good. And Tom Ruger uh, is amazing and just great, great talent across the board. Great board artists, great. Uh, that was so much fun. We loved making that show and we loved watching it, you know, like, so it was really cool. I was stunned at the number of jokes that hit in a, a single episode of that. It was, yeah. it was so rapid fire and fast. I have, I haven't seen anything of the new one, but uh, I'm sure it's going to, I'm sure they've got again, a, a really great team on it. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you think it's just like a lot of like Pinky in the Brain and all the characters like that that are coming I back? I think or? so. I think that, oh, that's awesome, I, I'm not though. sure if every single character will be in it, but I, they're going to try and bring some back, you gotcha. know, bring them back. So, Tony, what was it like to watch the movie again? It was really cool. It was really cool watching it again. I'm 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 surprised at how fast it moves and uh, and uh, and in a way how good it looks. Like, I think it still looks pretty good. I'm still very proud of the animation and the the people who made it and uh and it's pretty cool like i would i can't believe we're doing this you know like if you would go back in time and say whatever what is it 25 years you know or we would we i'd be doing this podcast with you and right. we'd be talking about this movie and be like what you know, what like this seemed like exactly well let's start there but really, why? I mean, it's cool that we're still talking about this, and it's great that that this movie found a, a generation who loved it. So that's cool. I'm curious if Warner Brothers did come to you and say, like, "Hey, we want to do a remastered version of Space Jam." Is that something that you would actually be interested in doing, and like going in and like you know touching up these shots or redoing this, that, and the other to sort of give it like a new face? I don't. There isn't. I mean, there is probably some stuff we could fix up a little bit. Um, but I don't know. People love this movie and probably aren't being that critical of it. That, I think that's one of it, the reasons of its success is um, it, it doesn't take itself enormously serious. But then again. The game does kind of weirdly take itself kind of see it like they actually do feel like they're playing a game. So um, I don't know. It's 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 not it's kind of it's a good popcorn movie, I guess. I'm borderline surprised that they didn't try to replicate it with just other sports, you know, like, yeah, give me a that's baseball one thing, player <laughs> uh, that I've always been a big fan of is animated sports. And I think that that's like a. That's an actual genre in Japan, you know, and and there's a lot more we could do by mixing sports and animation. If you think of movies like uh, live action movies like Shaolin Soccer and stuff like that, where it's still a game, but you're really pushing it and using the effects. Um, I know we could do that in animation. That is something I always thought. Where's the NFL version of this? Right. And where's the. Yeah. You know. It's, it's out there waiting for somebody to make. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us for our oh, thank director's you. This commentary. was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, where'd this bit come from? You know, you know, we had to we we'd have to put something in. That. We'd have to put that's all, folks, in there somewhere. Sure, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, Michael, you can go home now.
We are finished. That, that I feel, I was the most honest, the most honest performance of Michael Jordan in the movie. <laughs> Can I go home now? Am I done? <laughs> and a little bit of a nod to Ferris Bueller, you know. Yeah. Movie's over. At, on Scoob, I wanted to absolutely just take that, the, the, uh, I wanted to take the, uh, the Ferris Bueller shot and just have Scooby do it. Like, have Scooby come out with a towel on his head and, and do it line for line. The, but then they were like, it was very expensive to do for a joke that no one would ever so see. Wait, you, so, wait, you actually, you have to pay for the rights to Yeah, you probably would have had to pay someone. And we definitely would have had to build Scooby with a towel on his yeah. head. So. <laughs> but I was like, we should get that hallway. Like, just use it, the plate of the hallway and everything and just... And also, I guess you have, you probably have to imagine that for a kid's movie, like most kids don't watch through the, you know, movie's over and they're jumping to the next thing, you know? He's probably, yeah. so it might be a Although joke. Although maybe Marvel cured us of that because now you're right. Oh, yeah. People, yeah. Do, people don't leave their seats. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're embedded there. I know. There. If it's a Marvel movie, you can't get me to leave. Which I think is great I mean, because yeah. I would always, yeah. at press screenings, I would just sit there and wait for everybody to clear out kind of thing and get their cell phones and then move on. So. They also force you, know, you to Deadpool. look at the names. Deadpool did the yeah. Ferris Bueller joke too. Ryan Reynolds got oh, that. Oh yeah, line. they did. That's that the, they did, they did. And someone brought that up. Now that you say that, someone went, someone Yeah, there you go. Simpsons did it, except it was uh, Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool did it. Now, <laughs> if you put a Deadpool mask on Scooby, that's something I would yeah. probably want that's to That's right. That's a hat on a hat. <laughs> uh Tony, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is fantastic. And uh ah, well, thank you again. This was really, really cool. Good. I hope you enjoyed going through Space Jam again. So thank you very much for um tuning into the new uh most bonus most recent bonus episode of Real Blend, and we'll be back with the commentary track sometime soon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 